Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Living in Hope. I am your host, Cassie Merritt. All right, today I'm sitting down with Amy Ford and oh my gosh, you guys, I promise you, you are going to love her. I had so much fun in this conversation, getting to know her and learning more about what she is doing. I mean, she lit a fire in me and you guys will see why. Um, She has a book called Help Her Be Brave, Discover Your Place in the Pro-Life Movement. And she also has an organization called Embrace Grace. But once we're done with this conversation, I promise you guys, you're going to be like, okay, I have no excuse but to not get out there and help (laughs) and be a part of this. She gives so many awesome suggestions in her book as well as in this conversation. But you know what? I could sit here and tell you, everything about this. So let's just go ahead and dive in. All right, Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. I have been looking forward to having this conversation with you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, of course. I have a girlfriend who is just, she told me, I wish I could be a fly in that room. (laughs) She absolutely loves everything that you're doing. And honestly, I think she would be a really awesome person to bring in your ministry into a church over here. Hopefully she's listening right now. That's the confirmation she needs. Yes, she's totally listening right now. You're right. (laughs) So true. Okay. Well, I would just love for you to introduce yourself before we talk more about what you're doing. Yeah. So do you want me to tell a little bit about my story? Let's just have you tell about your life today, what that looks like. Okay, what my day today Mm -hmm. looks like is I run a ministry called Embrace Grace, and we help women with unplanned pregnancies get into churches Mm -hmm. and to be loved on and supported. I have four kids, two are um, off at college. One is married and getting his master's, and one is, uh, she's a freshman in college. So one's in Arkansas, one's in Colorado. I'm in Texas, and so I got two more still at home. One's eighth grade and one's third grade. We like super wow. spread out all our yeah. kids and um, <laughs> kind of enjoyed each one of them individually. And so me and my husband have been married, I think, 23 years or 22 years, somewhere in there. And awesome. um, and so, yeah, and then I lead this ministry. I'm, I'm here at the office today, cool. and um, I just heard volunteers in the conference room, like they're putting together these love boxes, which we can talk about later, mm. but I can hear them singing worship songs in there as That's they're working, so, which what? is super sweet. That is so It's a cute. fun atmosphere to be oh. in. That is so sweet. I love yeah. that. Well, let's have you talk more about that. That's the big thing that I'm so excited to talk to you about is Embrace Grace. So could you yeah. share with us what that is? Yeah, for sure. So we help women with unplanned pregnancies get uh, connected to churches. So a lot of times when a girl finds out she's pregnant, the church is the last place she wants to go to right, because right. of shame and guilt. And so we want to change that. We want the church to be one of the first places a girl runs to. And so we have created these support groups and we provide the churches all the curriculum and the tools for them to be able to lead the group themselves. Um, It's 12 weeks long and it's all about um, identity, value, and worth and how much God loves them so very much. It's, It's about bringing community together so that a lot of times when girls go through something like this, they feel completely alone. A lot of their friends sort of distance themselves Like they don't really know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. So they feel pretty alone. So we want to create an atmosphere where they can meet other girls going through the same thing that they are. And, um, 
And so, and, and we want them to like get used to going to church and raising their kids in the church. And sometimes a baby shower is part of it. And so sometimes that's even the hook to get them in the door, but then Jesus like radically transforms their lives and it's just beautiful. And it's not even just about the 12 weeks, you know, we have also embraced life after that it's for single young moms. It's 22 weeks. And that's kind of teaching them about. Um, more practical things that they need, you know, dating, purity, dreams and goals, financial stewardship, time management, things like that. But we're really wanting them to get comfortable in the church because we want the church to wrap their arms around them forever if the girl will allow it and if the girl will stay connected uh, because that's what a church is. We're a community and we're a spiritual family. So, you know, the pro-choice side likes to say we only care about the baby, but we actually care about them for forever and we want them to stay connected. And so we could do life together and pick each other up and we fall and minister to each other. And so we are in almost 700 churches, 47 states and 10 countries that do embrace grace groups. And then our national offices here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, but we equip all these churches and just people. It's not even pastors that lead it. It's just people like me and you. Well, I don't know if you're a pastor, but you know, just normal people that believe in God and have a heart for these women. And they take our curriculum and lead it at their own church. Wow. Okay. So do you ever look at the numbers? Because you just said a big number, 700 different churches. And you're just like, wow, <laughs> look at where this is going. Look at the yeah. what God is and doing. That's going to be so amazing. overwhelming. Yeah. It totally is. And what's crazy too, is when we started Embrace Grace, we just, ha- you know, I had kind of a vision from God of like, it was of me having an unplanned pregnancy years before, but then the vision changed. It was during worship at this big women's conference, and it was very realistic. It was like snapshots. And yeah. the vision changed in me throwing baby showers. And that year, I had thrown 13 baby showers for my girlfriends. Wow. And so I was like, what does that mean? You know, the first part of the vision, I seemed sad and kind of like it was when I had an unplanned pregnancy myself when I was 19. And, um, so I went and talked to a, a group's pastor after that and I was like, Hey, what do you think this means? It looks so, it was so real. I've never had a vision like that before. And she said, why don't you just throw a baby shower for these girls that might can be the hook to get them in the door, but teach them and like love on them and start a group. And I was, wow. that was, there was something terrifying, but exciting about that idea. I'd never yes. led anything in my life at church. And so we started, there was no such thing as single and pregnant curriculum. So we kind of had to like wing it and do our own thing. And three yeah. girls came, one wore a coat in August in Texas because she was terrified of stepping foot into the church and anyone seeing that she was pregnant. But they all three got saved and they all three like completely, we could see a physical transformation of just women being empowered, you know, wow. that you can have your baby in your dreams too. Absolutely. And you can do this. And then it yes. changed. And then we did it again. Three more girls came, then eight, then 14, and then 21. So we never like started Embrace Grace thinking we're going to start a nonprofit organization. Like that wasn't even yes. on our radar. We just started a small group at our church and it blew up. <laughs> and then it, it, you know, more churches would just reach out saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? And wow. we kind of had started writing our own curriculum and we were like printing things at Office Depot and like doing the spiral bound, you know, like, yes. and we were sure, oh, you know, goodness. giving them How any cool. information or whatever. Yes. And by the time we got up to 20 churches, we were like, oh, I oh, think this is God wants us to help people <laughs> help people. Like this is starting to turn right. into a thing. And oh, so that's when we started the nonprofit in 2012. And, and really 2014, we had enough funding to really get in our first office and hit the ground running. And it's amazing to think, uh, you know, from there till now, and even with last year being a COVID year, everything kind of 
um, slowed down immensely on the group side. You know, a lot of churches are shut down and things like that, or having to switch to virtual, which really is not as fun, you know, as doing it in person. Um, you can't, it's hard to do freedom ministry when, you're doing it through a computer screen and absolutely you know if you got a group of girls and then a baby daddy's walking by in the background <laughs> or something all the other girls sort of clam up and like who can hear me you know talk about my hurts and pains oh and goodness. you know all of that so it's just really hard but I'm so thankful that churches are starting to open we're starting yes. to get some momentum again uh, because before 2000 or 2020 for COVID we were over 700 groups now we're just slightly under just because yeah. of we're because growing, of, but then yeah. some we were losing at the bottom right? Um, because Ugh. of, you know, or putting on pause, you know, we'll wait yes. till after COVID's over, which who knows when that is, but right. That is girls so hard, are still though. getting pregnant. Yeah. And I think quarantine <laughs> yes. might be making them get pregnant more. So yes. we need to break face groups. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can agree with that. Oh man. Well, that's gotta be so hard though. Like to have to, so you're doing it over computers then you're still yeah. offering it but just having to do it over a computer. Yeah, we were training leaders all over. You know, some leaders maybe even are a little older and they're a little bit more intimidated by Zoom, even though we're helping them, you know, Mm -hmm. with everything that they need to be able to do it. But some are just like, you know what, I'm going to pause. This is hard. Or they're trying and then it's just hard. Or like they're, you know, a lot of churches offer childcare. So if they already have a baby, then they're able to put their child and childcare and like fully focus in a normal group. Whereas in a Zoom, they don't have that. So if their baby's crying, or whatever yes. they're having to get up out of the screen and they're missing key parts of the curriculum. It's yes. just oh my god. And you know, Zoom meetings are just awkward. Like they it's are. only one person can talk at a time and there's no side conversations it's or relationships so being built. Yes. So but I'm so just true. I'm in Texas, of course. Texas is open. And so we're all, okay. you know, back oh, to good. it. Oh but, good. Obviously, your motivation and your your commitment to this comes from somewhere, right? So would you be willing to share about your story and, you know, obviously your pregnancy as a teenager with all of yeah. us? Okay, I would love yes. that. So I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19. I grew up in church, had an amazing family, but I didn't have a relationship with the Lord. I even went to a Christian private school, but still wow. no relationship with the Lord. Um, and so I ended up finding myself pregnant at 19 and I grew up knowing abortion was wrong, but in that moment I was so terrified and really the root, I was really terrified to tell my parents, which looking back is silly, you know, they would get mad, but it wasn't going to be this thing, but the enemy lies to you and tells you, you know, the worst things that could possibly happen. And so me and the father of the baby, we just were like, okay, if we just get an abortion, it'll, it feels like it could be a quick fix. We'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. You know, all these lies we tell ourselves of like, and you kind of just go in this robot mode when you're in trauma and crisis and we didn't tell a soul. And so we paid for the abortion, went to the abortion clinic and I actually ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. And when I came to, the nurses were fanning me, trying to give me a drink of water, and they said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. You can come back another day, but today you're not getting an abortion. Wow. And so I went back out in the waiting room, and my baby daddy, which is funny, I, always, I still call him my baby daddy. We've been married now for you know, 22, <laughs> 23 years. Right. Um, and I, he could see my face was so swollen from crying, and I just looked at him and said, we're, we're still pregnant. And... We just kind of decided in that moment, like, okay, let's figure this out. Like, if we're going to be homeless, all these terrible things we thought. We thought our dreams were over. We thought our life was over. Our parents were going to hate us, you know, kick us out, all of that. So we kind of squared our shoulders and went 
forward and I told my parents and it wasn't as bad as we thought it was, it would be. They definitely were disappointed in the timing of everything, but it was not as terrible as we thought. And we, me and Ryan had been together. We were high school sweethearts and we knew we wanted to get married someday, just not, you know, in that order. Right. And so we decided to go ahead and get married. And when I was 16 weeks pregnant, we got married and he had asked the man that had led him to the Lord years before he had asked us to, he asked that pastor to marry us. And the pastor said, no, I, because you sinned, I can't marry you and I can't bless this marriage. And we were just like, oh my gosh, like we are such horrible people. We can't even get like a pastor to bless us. And, um, we ended up finding someone else that would marry us, but it was just like this scarlet letter. You know, we had this beautiful wedding, but it was like, who knows and who doesn't know. And, um, you know, all of that. And what are they thinking about us? And so we ended up having a son and, uh, we tried to go back to church, but again, it was like, people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. And so we just didn't really like the way we made, it made us feel like I'm super extrovert. I have a lot of friends. And so it's really obvious when all of a sudden they are kind of distancing themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And I would rather just people come talk to me, even if they say the wrong thing. I mean, really all you can say is congratulations because a baby is always a blessing no matter how it gets here. So we kind of stopped for a while, but I had a son, Jess, and he's so amazing. He's um, 23. I keep getting the years mixed up. So he's like <laughs> six okay. months older than our marriage. Um, oh, or no, six months younger than our marriage. Um, I but have anyway, six-year-old and kids, a three-year-old, and I it, forget their ages all the time. It's super yeah. hard. Um, <laughs> I, I think it. he's 22. <laughs> but he... Um, so it. he ended up, he got me, he just got married. He graduated from Oral Roberts University with a degree in theology, uh, specializing in evangelism. He has such a heart for the Lord. And now he's, um, his wife still is, will finish in a couple months, but she's in nursing and in Fayetteville. So that's where he's at. But he's just has, he's just so amazing. And he even looks at his story as that I was an overcomer before I was ever even born and that Satan had a plan to take me out, but I'm here and I'm going to use my story to change the world. And he wow. even works in the pro-life movement. He's a writer for Focus on the Family. I mean, Whoa. he's amazing at such a oh young age. Goodness. Like I can't even imagine oh, what huge. God's going to do. Oh my gosh. And one thing that's really cool is when he was 16, that pastor that wouldn't marry us. Well, actually when he was two years old, that when the pastor that wouldn't marry us called my husband out of the blue and he asked for forgiveness. And he said wow. he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever made. And he asked my husband for forgiveness. And my husband was like, yes, of course, I forgive you. I mean, my husband loves this guy. He like really was, was helped him through wow. a hard season in his life when in high school when his parents got a divorce and things like that. So he just really looked up to him a lot. And so that was like super healing. And, and then they really are still to this day connected and talk a lot. He's a pastor in Austin. So they're about four hours away. So they can't see each other as much, but they talk all the time. And, but when my son was 16 years old, that pastor asked me to come speak at his church. And, um, he was very open with his congregation about what he had done years before, like before we had even gotten there, he told everyone that he had a Pharisee heart. He had a religious spirit. This is what he did years ago. Uh, but then this is embrace grace and the ministry that's happened, you know, from a lot of different things, but that was a big part of it too. And so when I got there, I spoke, I did a pro-love message. Um, and then afterwards he said, Amy, we come back on the platform and I want your son Jess to come on the platform. And so he said, Amy, years ago, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you, will you forgive me? And I was like, yes, of course. That was 16 years ago. Like I forgave you a long time ago. 
Well, then he looked at my son, 16, in front of the whole church. And he said, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart before you were ever even born? And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16, in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment in that church, like church wounds being lifted. People were just in awe that the pastor would humble himself in that way and ask for forgiveness in front of everyone. Like it was just, and even for Jess, it was very healing even for him, you know, as a a boy, I told him his story when he was 13 because I had a book coming out and I was going to have some media and stuff and I had never told him. And he kind of did eighth grade and boys and girls. It's just a tough, you know, year of when you're trying to figure out who you are and all that. So that didn't really add much to that. And so he, um, he struggled a bit and like for about six to 12 months of just like the enemy lying to him and why am I here and all of that. And that's when he had a word from the Lord that the church, the gateway gateway churches where embrace grace started and where we still go to church to this day. And they asked him, his youth group said, will you speak for five minutes on how you're an overcomer? And so he was practicing and all of that. And that's when he came into his room and said, mom, how does this sound? I was an overcomer before I was ever even born and Satan had a plan to take me out, but I'm here and I'm going to use my story to change the world. And I was like, that is amazing. And I love that one word from God can do what years of counseling can ever do, you know, and that just solidified like his fire and passion for life and for the value of life and the sanctity of life. Um, and for his own life. And so it's been pretty cool to see that my story has become a little bit part of his story too. He just has a different perspective of it. Um, And he gets to speak and travel and all of that too. It's pretty awesome. Wow, girl, that is, that is incredible. Like I can't imagine that moment just to him walking in and to say it all that. In my bedroom, I know. I was like, crying. Jesus, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Well, you, and obviously I read that story a little bit in, your book, which we'll talk about, but um, what did you say? Like, that's probably a big part of what you guys are trying to accomplish is changing the perspective in churches on unplanned pregnancy, right? Yeah. Because I, f- I feel like so much, we like so often we can see churches almost pull people, lose opportunities of bringing people in and being able to sh- bring Jesus into her life because of some judgment there. or political. That's or the political. two things. It's like, yes. Oh yes. yeah. I mean, I think the biggest things that pastors back away from this issue is number one, they think it's political when this is hurting people that need hope and healing. Like this is not political. This is a person that's struggling. And then number two, we'll hear this is rewarding bad behavior or condoning sin, which because they get a baby shower and brand new things and it's a celebration. And and it's like, have you ever read the prodigal son, the story in the Bible? Like they threw that guy a party and he had been with prostitutes and, you know, all of that. And I love my favorite part in that story is when he decided to come back home after he'd spent all his dad's money. He said, uh, you know, I want to go back home. I'm tired of eating the leftovers of the pigs. I want to eat the leftovers of my dad's servants. That's a little better than the leftovers of the pigs. So he came home. But I love in the scripture, it says, and while he was a long way off, the father ran to him and he had his servants put a robe on his back and a ring on his finger. And he said, son, you are lost and now you're found. I'm so happy. And, um, you know, and then he said, let's throw a party. And we can sometimes be like the other brother that was oh, like, yeah. well, that's not fair. 
I've been here yeah, serving been you working. all this time yeah. and you haven't thrown me a party. And yes. he said, son, everything that you need is in me. You have everything that you need. So come and let's celebrate that your brother was lost and now he's found. And we just get caught up in this. Like they weren't rewarding or condoning the prodigal son's past behavior. It was about love and grace and mercy. And it was beautiful. And it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Like that's where lives changed. And we've had girls um, get saved at baby showers. We've had girls surrender their life to Jesus the night of the baby shower because they're so overwhelmed by people that they've never met before would buy something for their baby. Like it's such a beautiful, tangible act of love of God's people. And and then third, sometimes we hear pastors say, well, we don't really have pregnant people in our church. And most likely they do. The pregnancy (laughs) rate is exactly the same inside the church as it is outside. There's no difference. And one in four women and men have experienced an abortion. So they're sitting in our pews and they don't feel like they can talk about it if they've had a past abortion or if they're currently pregnant. So we, you know, we're encouraging them to like have Embrace Grace groups. It it helps the atmosphere change about this is a a safe place for you to come to. We even have a specific group for you to come to, you know, if you're in this situation. But say it is a church that's super tiny and it's all older people and they just really don't have maybe pregnant people in their church. Well, changing the pastor's perspective on this is an outreach, like go find them. This is like if you want to go feed the poor or, you know, doing an outreach project, go partner with your local pregnancy centers. They are pro-life centers in your community. There's thousands of them, way more than Planned Parenthoods that are completely free to the girls. They don't have to pay a dime and they get free pregnancy tests, free sonograms, free hope, free love, like anything, any resources, counseling, whatever they need um, for this pregnancy center. And so that could be a referral source to your church. Tell that pregnancy center, I want these moms. I want to welcome them in. Tell them our church is a safe place for them to come to. And we have an Embrace Grace group or whatever that might look like. But inviting them in, this is an outreach in there. It is an opportunity, like what you said before there. It's such a place of like, you know, every time's an, every time's a good opportunity to share the gospel for sure. But Absolutely. they are in such yes. a, a place of like, all their friends are kind of distancing themselves. They're being very self-reflective. Like, how did I get here? Right. What is my next move? I'm scared for my future. Like it is a time when it the church can welcome them in and say, we're with you and we're going to be with you along the way. And we're not going to kick you when you're down. We're going to pick you up when you fall and it's beautiful to see how it how and they're just so in a place of desperation they're crazy enough to try church and if they are crazy enough to try church it better be a really good experience for them because if it's not and if they did get met with shame or judgment it's going to be like I knew it I'm never coming back here this is exactly what I thought we I have girls that come for the first class and they kind of had these like walls up in their heart like maybe they are coming for the free stuff but they are just like you know I don't know what's about to happen they're super skeptical of what it's going to be and then after the first class we're very strategic we're just the leaders we all share our stories at the first class and all of a sudden their walls start coming down because they're like oh well, if that's that lady's story, that's way worse than my story. And if God did that for her, then maybe God will do that for me too. And then all of a sudden they start realizing it's a safe place. But afterwards they're always like, well, I just thought y'all were going to tell me what a bad person I am. And I just thought that, you know, I just was going to, y'all were going to shine a light on all the terrible things that I do. And I just hate it that that's what the unchurched think church is. They think it's about behavior modification when it should be about a heart transformation. It's not our job to fix people. It's our job to love people and, uh, and creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit, who is who gently convicts 
you know, our hearts and leads us on what's right and what's wrong and obviously God's word and all of that. But we have to create an atmosphere for them to be able to trust him first, you know, like they don't, they have to be able to trust his heart. This is a a father that they have no idea who, what it's his heart is like. And so it can't just be like day one, like this is all the things you did wrong and you need not to say that that should ever be the way, whether it's day 500, but still, you know, we have a sin chapter in our curriculum, but it's more towards the end. And it's just about what is, what is grace and what is the Holy spirit? Why, why, how does he guide us? And how do we listen to the things that he wants to protect our hearts, you know, and not doing certain things because he loves us so very much. And, um, and Mm, so anyways, going back to your question, there's a couple things that seem to be a deterrent, but we are seeing a shift happening and the churches are starting to get more involved. And that's why we even use the word pro love a lot. Pro life. We use it too, a little bit, depending on who we're talking Mm -hmm. to, but pro life can seem like a political word. It's become politicized. Yep. Um, whereas pro-love so is more of the action. I always say pro-love is a stance and pro-life is, I'm sorry, pro-life is a stance. Pro-love is an action. And again, it's this kindness that leads us to repentance. It's, it's all of us doing something to make a difference in the world where we can really make abortion unthinkable. Yes. But, and that shows God's heart, right? Yeah. We're going to see people come to Christ through generosity more than we are going to through judgment right because right. that's not god's heart he's not a judgmental god he is yeah. a loving and caring god and i actually had somebody ask me that like okay well and i think you even said this in your book um about people are like well i work so hard to wait till marriage and mm-hmm. then you're over here celebrating <laughs> about somebody who is um pregnant before marriage right and it's just and so why would you go and celebrate that right and Mm -hmm. so it's like well where where should our hearts be what would god want us to be in that circumstance not judgmental and every baby is a reason to celebrate absolutely no matter how it got here every baby is a miracle and a gift from the lord Yes, so true. Well, we talked a little bit from like a church perspective, like how we can be loving and caring, but let's talk about individuals like ourselves, introverts and extroverts. And you talk a lot about things we can do in the book. So your book is called, let's talk about that really quick, um, Help Her Be Brave. And it is so good, so encouraging. And I think everyone should definitely pick up a copy and read this. And it has so much great advice on how we can be involved. But I would love for you to just speak to the ears listening right now on some ways we can be helpful, something we can do. Yeah, well, Help Her Be Brave, I wrote it because, so I grew up in church my entire life and had no idea there was a pro-life movement, like had no clue. If I thought, if someone would have said, what does a pro-life movement mean to you? I would have thought... Well, maybe it's picketers outside abortion clinics. Like that's really the only thing I did know because of media and it's always kind of the crazy ones, you know, that they show. Yes. So I had no idea. And then one time as Embrace Grace was starting to grow, we weren't even thinking we are a pro-life organization like that. We just didn't know there was like a thing, that was a thing. Like we just, we knew we wanted, we didn't want girls to have abortions, but I don't know. We just didn't know there's this whole side of all the amazing organizations. Yes. So I was asked to speak when my first book came out, I was asked to speak at a pro-life conference uh, by an organization I literally had never heard of, but they're huge. And I went and I was blown away by mm-hmm. the hundreds, hundreds of vendors, which vendors were like 
pro-life organizations of people doing things, boots on the ground to help serve these women. And then thousands of people that attended the conference. But these vendors, I mean, they were so creative in the way, and it wasn't even just about the pregnancy. It was about single moms or, or after they have their baby. Like it was about fully empowering these women. And I was like, this is amazing. How have I gone to church my whole life and had no idea that there was so many amazing things Ah. to help these women along the way. And I go back to my own pregnancy. Like if I would have known that some of these things were out there or even that the church would welcome me, like I wouldn't have gone straight to the abortion clinic. I would have gone to talk to someone and ask for wisdom, prayer and guidance and, um, you know, all of that. And so, and I know one time also I was talking to one of my friends and I write about her in my book about, um, she's a pro-life atheist and she's over pro-life San Francisco. And she asked me to speak at Berkeley college one day. And she's like, I'm going to have pro-life speakers all day. And she said, do you want to come speak? And I was like, well, sure. I mean, but you're an atheist and you, you know, I talk about God and church and all of that. Like, is that going to be an issue? And she's like, no, I don't believe in your God, but I believe in the power of your people. And if you could get your people to actually do something, this issue wouldn't be an issue anymore. And I was like, oh, wow, that is something. And it is true. We have over 300,000 churches in America. So like if we all were doing something collectively, and when I say a church, you know, there are buildings, that's the 300,000, but there were way more people. And we are the church, uh, the people of the church everywhere we go. So what can we all be doing to help and make abortion unthinkable? And so this book, Help Her Be Brave, Discover Your Place in the Pro-Life Movement, has over 300 ideas of how you could get involved in the movement. And um, it's all kind of categorized by different areas to get involved. You know, we all have strengths, talents, and gifts. Um, and God put inside of us. And so there are, like, if we're more nurturing than maybe serving at a pregnancy center and helping counsel the girls or leading an Embrace Grace group, or if you're more strategic and analytical, um, you could help also with Embrace Grace, but more of like um, making plans of how, how to network with your community to find the girls or um, organizations that can help donate, you know, baby items or whatever, baby shower items. Um, there you could work and serve outside of an abortion clinic, but not like with the crazy signs, but with like the full of love <laughs> signs and that we're here for you and we love you. And, um, or maybe it's more practical. I mean, we've had people donate cars to single moms. We've had, wow. um, people, uh, attorneys donate their services to a single mom so she can navigate a tricky custody case so that she doesn't, she wouldn't have money to fund otherwise. And, um, or maybe you can help tutoring a child of a single mom. I mean, there's just so many different things. And I think we kind of limit it because we just don't know. But, um, even with my husband, he's great at finances. And so he helps sometimes if I have a single mom that really needs help, cause I'm terrible at it. Um, if he I needs help, you. I'm like, here, talk to my husband. He's Mr. Budget. I feel and he, you. Yes. Yeah, he will show you how to do it. You're not going to like it, but there, uh, there he is. Yeah. So but like, that's what all do we have in our heart, in our hand? And, um, I think some people just get caught up in like, well, what about step 10 or step 50? And like, I remember one time a lady came to me and she was like, I think I want to start a maternity home, but you know, I'm going to need about $500,000, you know, to build the house and all of that. But, you know, it's like, well, what do you have in your hand right now? Like God hasn't brought the $500,000 to you, but you obviously have a passion and God's put Mm -hmm. some kind of stirring in your heart to like minister to moms that are homeless in this way that are pregnant. Do you have a couch? 
Do you have an extra seat at your table? Like, what do you have in your hand? So why don't you start ministering to one girl through the resources that you have right now and then watch what doors open along the way and wow. just being obedient with one step and then God will show us the next and next and the next and the next. And I think sometimes we get hung up on, we need to know what step 10, 2500 is before we even stay, take step one. But that's what faith is, just taking that step. And then God will meet you there and show you. He may open an entirely different door, but just taking one step will keep opening doors to lead you to where God wants you to serve and where it just like feels easy because it is using your strengths and gifts. I'm not to say there's not hard stories and there's not hard seasons, but um, there's something about when you're in your sweet spot where, you know, I don't know if you've taken strengths finder, you know, any of those things that specifically God placed inside of you that you're really, really good at, or even hobbies. Like I've seen some people that are super obsessed with coupon cutting. Well, they go and teach the single moms how to coupon cut because that is like their passion Um, or cooking on a budget. You know, there's just so many different things and we get hung up thinking, we have to even start an organization and that's not even true at all. I know one time a single mom was like, I don't know what it was, but every Friday morning, one of my neighbors and I don't know who would come by and pick up my trash. And she said, I felt like that was Jesus picking up my trash for me because I had a a baby and a carrier and so right. I would have to leave him inside and it was an apartment. And so it was kind of, you had to walk down steps wow. and she just was always super nervous and she didn't want to lock the baby in and you can't carry a carrier and trash bags. <laughs> no. I mean, it's just hard and yes. little things like that make such a huge difference. And I love that she looked at it as Jesus must be taking the trash out for her. Like wow. that is just beautiful. And it's such a simple, simple thing. act. Yes. And so simple. Right. And so we don't have to overcomplicate it. Like just to think about what we can do. Um, and so, and if you're just still, I don't know, obviously the book helper be brave, it has tons of ideas, but also we have a new website called helperbebrave.com. And it actually has this really cool pro-life quiz that we just developed. It just came out like a week ago. So you could go and take the quiz and it asks questions about you. Like, are you strategic? Are you nurturing? Are you more analytical? Are you like an influencer and a super extrovert? You know, all of these things. And then at the the end, it emails you the results of where we think it would be. And it's like, it's not even just one thing. There's a a result of probably about 30 things, uh, 30 ideas of ways using your specific strengths and gifts that can be used to get involved in the movement. So yeah, see, I love that. I love because- That's the thing about your book and everything. It's like, you have no excuse. <laughs> There's right. something you can't do. Like, it's, it's something as simple as I think one of the examples, you, which we should definitely talk about, um, is writing letters for those little boxes oh, or, yeah. you know, just something simple. doesn't have to be $500,000 on a condo or anything. It just can be small. And I love that because, heck, I, I mean, I didn't even think about myself getting involved in this. You know, obviously I always knew that's something if anybody ever needed help, I would be somebody who would I would love to help them. But I never thought about taking steps out there. Like you even shared a conversation which I would love for you to share about this actually, about how you were in Sonic. You went oh, yeah. to Sonic and you just started talking about your daughter. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Could you share about that actually? Yeah. Well, okay. I had, I'd gone to Sonic and, you know, I'm at, we're in Texas, so it's super hot and it was summer and I had all the kids in the car and Sonic has happy hour, um, slushies. And yes. so, 
at Sonic, you know, if you've never been there, it's kind of like a car hop type place where you just like park your car. There's a little thing so you can take mm-hmm. your time and figure out what you want to order. And you right. swipe your card. And we've had girls that go through Embrace Grace have said that people don't tip that have worked at Sonic and they kind of have complained. People don't tip and they're supposed to tip. And I didn't know that. So you're and, supposed and, to sit, tip? You're supposed Are to you? tip at Sonic. Yeah. That's oh, what they say. I don't know oh, if it's no. like, yeah. <laughs> But the problem is, is when you use a credit card, they don't have a tip line. Yeah. So the only way you can tip is with cash. And I hardly ever have cash, so I hardly ever go there. But one day when I went, I thought I had cash in my wallet. So I ordered all the slushies and here comes this girl and I'm digging in my wallet and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't, don't have any cash. So I paid with my credit card, but I said, I said, I'm so sorry. I will go to the bank down the street to the ATM machine and I'll go get cash for you a tip. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you don't have to do that. But if you want to, you can. And I was like, yes, I will. I'll go so I go it. and I come back and I asked her what her name was. She's super young. And she said her name's Zoe. And I said, oh, my goodness, I love that name. I said my number, my fourth kid, um, his name is Judah. But before I knew he was a boy, I had picked Zoe as the name. I really like that name because of what it means. Did you know that it means life? But not like the survival kind of life, but like the heavenly realm kind of life, like the John 10, 10, the John three sixteen, like the eternal, amazing heaven on earth kind of life that God wants us to mm-hmm. have. Did you know your name means that? And she's like, no. And then <laughs> she's like, she I said, just learned a lot. <laughs> right. That's a lot of information while she's, you know. Right. Just what? Give me the money. <laughs> right. And she said, so you have a baby? And I was like, yeah, he's about mm-hmm. one now. So he's kind of a bigger baby. But yes. And. She's like, oh, do you have any advice for me? Because me and my boyfriend just found out we're pregnant and we're really nervous about Mm. everything. And I was like, oh my goodness, God, you are amazing. This is such a God connection. So I got her connected to a pregnancy center. I got her connected to an Embrace Grace group. Um, I got to be at her kid's birth, which she ended up having a little boy. And I got to be at her wedding Um, her husband worked for my husband for a while. Like we just got, we still do life together and and she's such a blessing to me. Like I can't imagine not knowing her, her husband, actually, we just launched their new dad's curriculum called embrace legacy this, this month. And he's, he shares his testimony in it and he, they're just such an amazing family. And I, if I would have just, you know, treated her like a robot or didn't ask about her name or whatever, I would have missed out on a God opportunity and God's bringing us people all the time. And sometimes we just go too fast and we think that these are all transactional, you know, every, everyone that we encounter, it's all about a transaction, whether at the grocery store or the dry cleaners or the mailman, mailman, whatever it might look like. And so that God wants us to have transformative conversations or even just like prayer. But I think there's something to um, allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt us, you know, when we're supposed to stop and say something a little more. And even just looking at someone asking their name, like that means a lot to people when they're serving people all day and no one's even looked them in the eyes, you know? Um, And so God is wanting us to love on them. And she was waiting for someone that maybe could have some advice, you know? Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, she's just, and God brings us people like that all the time. I've met so many girls that are (sighs) pregnant, um, just by conversations that God brings me. And I'm like, did I never notice this before? Or maybe just I'm more (laughs) alert now. Like, I don't know, but I'm all about it and I'm thankful God does it. Oh my goodness. I love that. See, that's huge. Like it just makes me think, cause there's so many times, you know, I've seen 
somebody like a cash a cashier or something. I'm like, oh, she looks so cute. It's but I never take the time to just say, oh, hey, how how many weeks yeah, are you? Or What's like, yeah. <laughs> and so you kind of inspired me to do that a little bit more to mm-hmm. just kind of have those conversations, start a conversation, right? Yeah, I love that so much. Okay, well, now I would love to talk. Let's say somebody who is listening right now is pregnant, has an unplanned pregnancy. What does it look like to be to be a part of an Embrace Grace um, ministry, like group? Yeah. Oh, well, you're going to love it. And you're going to meet other girls going through the same thing that you are. You are not alone, even though it feels like you're alone. You are not alone. And people have gone before you and have made it through, even through harder circumstances that you might be in right now. And God chose you out of all the women in the world to have this baby, whether you choose to parent or to place your baby for adoption, he chose you. And so he will equip you with everything you need to have this baby. And so going through an Embrace Grace group, it is so light and if I hear people say it feels like home, but then it's also, it is freedom ministry. So it is kind of talking about past hurts and wounds and patterns that maybe we've created for ourselves, but it's a safe place to talk about, you know, stuff that maybe there's a past hurt or trauma that happened that maybe um, has or maybe it's lies we've believed about ourselves, you know, words that were spoken over us and that we just consistently thought that was truth when it wasn't. We love to replace the lies with the truth and tell you how God sees you. And so it's so uplifting and so encouraging. Um, and you, it's just, you'll love it. And that I hear girls say, I like the way it makes me feel when I come here, that this is a safe place and it's, and it's, uh, we're just for you and we want to help you fly and thrive. And of course the baby shower, we go all out and you get so many great things. But if you want to check to see if you have an Embrace Grace group in your area, just go to embracegrace.com and right at the very top is a zip code finder. You put in your zip code and all the groups in your local area pop up. It has the leader's information, the church where uh, the group meets, the phone number of the leader, the leader's email, and you can contact her and connect and say, hey, when does it start or can I jump in? And if for some reason you don't see one in your area, please contact the national office. You can just email us at info at embracegrace.com and we can help you um, get connected maybe even right now because we have so many virtual groups, even though I don't love virtual, but something's (laughs) better than nothing. Or we can look to see maybe there's a group that literally is about to start in your area. It just isn't listed on the website yet. So we can just kind of dig around and see what we can find to get you some support that you need uh, because you do not have to walk this road alone. Wow. That's huge. It's so awesome that those groups are offered for people. It's so awesome. Oh, and baby dads. If there's any baby dads, we just launched Embrace Legacy. So we're so excited about that. That's so cool. You just launched it? Yeah. So we don't have a lot out there yet, but the curriculum just launched. So, or maybe if, I don't know if you have more women or men listening, if it's maybe more women, maybe your husband might would want, you know, you could start a birth grace and your husband starts embrace legacy, do it on the same night of the week. And the guys go into his class, the girls go to hers, and then y'all could share the glory stories after every night. I mean, it's so, so amazing. The few groups that have started the embrace legacy ones, it's just been awesome to hear um, the stories already of the guys opening up and we just need more dads in the world. It would change everything to have more dads there's a lot of you know sperm donors you know but we need more fathers and a lot of times it's like they want to but maybe they didn't have a dad themselves and they just don't know how 
or it's overwhelming or intimidating to think about what that looks like. And that doesn't even necessarily mean you have to stay with a girl, you know, if the relationship just isn't working out. It's just about being there for that baby and, um, and what that looks like. And you don't have to be Mm. a perfect dad, but just being there makes a huge difference in that child's life. And with God, you can do this. And so, um, these embrace, embrace legacy groups are very powerful, totally amazing. That's awesome. Okay. Well, I have one more question for you and then I'll let you go. (laughs) But I ask each of my guests what hope means to them. So I would really love to know what hope means to you. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, the scripture says without hope, um, it makes the heart sick, like not having something to, even with a girl with an unplanned pregnancy, not having any hope. Oh, it's so hard. So what hope means is just being able to believe and having just that little mustard seed faith of like, maybe something can be different for me. And maybe things, maybe there is a God that loves me, or maybe, um, God has a better situation for me. I just need to believe and trust him. And, um, I think, and the scriptures say it's only one little mustard seed. We actually just had this class in embrace grace last week and we literally passed around a mustard seed and let him hold it. And like feeling how tiny it is. And it's like, it's just as if there's just one little teeny tiny glimmer of hope, God could work with that and wow. to watch, and just trusting him and reaching out to him and talking to him and to see what God does. And he, we've, we say leading Embrace Grace, we have front row seats to miracles because they do have that little glimmer of hope. We watch transformation, just radical, amazing miracle stories. And a lot of them are in that Help, Help Her Be Brave book, but there's so many. A book couldn't even fill it all. Like, it's just yes. so cool. Right. Um, but God will do it for you, too. Wow. I love that little mustard seed in your hand. I love it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Could you go ahead and pray for our listeners? Yes. Would you mind doing that? Yeah. All right. God, thank you so much for every listener right now. And I know it's not by accident that they tuned in or had had time to even listen today, God. So we just thank you that um, you were strategic in who has been listening to this podcast show and that we just ask you to stir their hearts to action, that don't let the enemy uh, lie to them or tell them they're not qualified or they're not a pastor or they're not, um, you know, if people just knew your story, whatever the enemy likes to lie to you about, God, I just pray re- Pray that you replace the lies with the truth, that you are who qualifies us. And that Revelation 12, 11 says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So just empowering the people to listen, to um, use their story, to change lives and help save lives, God. And so we just thank you that they are, um, whether it's by the book or through the website, helperbebrave.com or whatever that might look like, that there's something, or maybe even just a, a, a casual conversation or, um, that someone just talks about a need and that you, that you stir these, that everyone that's listening, their heart to action and either the small ways, big ways, God, and we just thank you that all of us will be obedient to the calling that you put, ha, have us do, because we know that we show love to you by our obedience is what scripture says. So we want to show you how much we love you. We want to obey whatever it is that you're calling us to do, whether it's hard or whether it's getting out of our comfort zone or whether it's just easy little things, God, whatever you want, we are yours and we surrender our life to you. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. As always, everything will be linked in the description for this episode that you heard in here. So check out the website, get the book. You will not be disappointed. I promise you. Don't forget to hit subscribe and rate if you can. And we will see you in the next episode.